Mm. One person had to go to work. Had to go to work? Is that right? Tragic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you for letting me know. (laughs) (laughs) When I was a a Buddhist monk, Under the uh, guidelines or the rules, monks have to uh, oblige to stay in one spot, that means one monastery, for three month period, which is from the full moon of July through to the full moon of uh, October. So this is called the Panza, P-A-N-S-A. In one of those uh, panzers, this is coming to the showers here. So in one of those panzers, I took a vow that I would not have a shower for three months. <laughs> I would only wash hands and feet and nothing else. I survived, and more importantly, the monks around me survived. <laughs> And sometimes it's in the areas of the of the showers, and maybe it's being a bit British since I was brought up in a house for twenty plus years without a, a shower. It was just a weekly bath. Um, that sometimes we feel we must have in the, in the realms of the must, but it may not be that important. And that's just for a short reflection on you in terms of the modest contributions that we can make in water conservation. All right. So this morning, just a suggestion, by the way. You don't have to go home and say to your family, I'm just taking a vow for three months not to have a shower. (laughs) (laughs) But you can, you know, (coughs) etc. Just uh, in the area of the theme here, the interrelatedness. There are three areas, and in the interrelatedness of them with our practice, one is reflection, one is mindfulness, and one is uh, meditation. And I'd like to explore that uh, a little with you. With the uh, talk yesterday uh, evening, simple uh, summary uh, of it is uh, clarity of heart and mind is a statement and a confirmation of uh, wisdom which finds its expression through heart and mind, through speech, through communication, creativity, uh, ethics, love, action. And the Separation, we could say, of loss of, shows and reveals itself in a variety of manifestations of ego. Ego referring to I and my, when it is under the impact and influence of unsatisfactory habits and patterns, often with desire in it, fear, worry, anxiety, blame, greed, habit, addictions stress and much more 
And therefore, part of our challenge and our task is to recognize and pick up the periods and the moments when we are untroubled with desire and the ego and the I in my, which is under its influence, and to recognize and acknowledge and really appreciate when that pressure isn't upon us and there is the freedom to use I and my in its everyday descriptive simple uh, language <coughs> and also to have that intimacy in which I and my is not really involved and that may come out of our clarity and our wisdom seeing the body as expressions of the element recognizing that that which I can give attention to heart, mind, feelings and thought since it is an object of interest as an object of interest which it is I am not an object of it how could I be the object if I can look at something I do not say oh this recorder is me or this carpet is me or, or whatever because it's an object of interest what we think is an object of interest the state of heart and mind is an object of uh, uh, interest expansive or contracted we can talk about it we can describe it and sometimes the eye falls so to speak on the subject we might call the subject mindfulness <coughs> or consciousness or attention or witnessing or looking at there. so even though we may say oh, right now I am looking at you <coughs> right now uh, I am uh, mindful of the, the presence of uh, each other so there is the eye which arises and sometimes it's in reference to the consciousness yeah. doesn't have to be any problem but just to be clear clear that it's not always landing there so the eye can land in the thinking I am thinking I am stressed I am happy can land in the feelings etc so the eye subjected to influences part of the practice is having enough mindfulness and clarity does the eye just as a phenomena uh, land in the subject called mindfulness observation looking at giving attention to meditation or whatever does it land in the object I am breathing I am sitting with the body I am feeling and so forth it's a challenge for us to recognize the movement of the eye, the movement of the my, and where it goes. <clears throat> In the area of reflection and mindfulness and uh, uh, meditation, lots of things in life, as we go through the day wherever we are, int interrupts the event. And at home and here, there are plenty of times and situations where you and I are engaged in something and an event occurs which interrupts the event and sometimes they're rather precious and beautiful so, although I uh, didn't uh, see 
but heard from T. Cozy that on the veranda last night in front of the kitchen, a couple of uh, possums came around for early breakfast. Uh, bless, uh, bless them. Uh, there. And then just while, just going into the kitchen, um, just before uh, coming down here uh, earlier on, two or three of us there in the veranda, somebody helping to prepare uh, the fruit for the breakfast, and then a wren and these tiny, sweet, small birds. It uh, also came looking for some breakfast as well. It knows where to go. It says, well, these human beings, that species, seems to be going over there for breakfast. Well, that's the place to be. So everything just stopped. We were very quiet and very still. The wren just wandered around on the kitchen table and finding something for breakfast, uh, etc. The moments of the interruption, the moments of the fresh coming coming in, consciousness, that means the three or four of us, we all went very, very quiet, very, very still, and just appreciated, which is love, we uh, appreciated the, the presence of the unexpected. And those moments in life are vitally important, and it really is significant for us. In the presentation of the unexpected object, uh, in that, that we are receptive, and we have the freedom to let and drop and stop everything else, just to be available and present for. So deep nourishment that these precious uh, creatures can offer us. And then we may come back to our meditations. We may come back to our meditations and our reflections. And these, the integration and the exploration of the three are really important. And I'll just try to touch upon this. Just in the, in the, in the, uh, in the language for a moment with you. Thought, concepts, words, ideas moving through the mind and can, under the influences, can go in numerous kind of directions and in the rhythms or the flows of all, all of that is an area which occupies the attention. It's an occupation. And in that occupation of thinking, 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 we find and notice, because we get clearer with it with our meditation, that it is that thought really can be quite a distraction. To use that well-known, frequently quoted one-liner of uh, John Lennon, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. So the realms of the thought, we really want to catch uh, there and have the preparation and the willingness with just thinking to regularly, consciously cut the, the thinking process and pattern. It helps to conserve a great deal of energy. It brings us back to the living uh, present and our interest in today will reduce a lot of that. Reflection is different from thinking. It's still concepts, it's still words in the mind, it's still uh, 
the expressions of thought, but with reflection, it has a direction to it, a, it's purposeful, and it's clear about what we are reflecting uh, on, and there is in the in the activity of the reflection that's uh, taking place, the primary intention with the uh, reflection is that some clarity comes out of it. And the outcome of that clarity could be, there's three poss- there are more, but three possibilities. One is, is it something I need to let go of? <coughs> So the reflection is carrying in the intentionality that is it something which I really need to change or to start and to be really clear about what that actually is and what and the reflection is what will make that happen. Is it something which I really need to cultivate and to develop? Mm. So reflection carries with it an intentionality. It's going into the field of thinking and there is some, something purposeful about it. Quite often, letting go, changing, developing, cultivating, creating is, as mentioned to you already, there is authority with it. The word authority comes actually, I checked it out once, from an old French word of the 13th century. Authority, authentic, author, has the same root meaning in making something happen. And therefore the meditations are supported with reflection and authentic reflection is the authority of a human being to make something happen. And then one knows this is a genuine reflection. Because there is an emergence which is beneficial perhaps for oneself, perhaps for others, perhaps for the environment, perhaps for the creatures, if something beneficial comes out of it, then that is the confirmation of a valid reflection. And it does require, and it is quite challenging, with the reflection, to have uh, <coughs> some focus with it. And there are two ways that reflection uh, 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 comes just quote the Buddha some of my friends have been uh, giving me reminders um, that in more uh, recent years I use less and less the uh, the name of uh, the Buddha uh, in the talks and teachings still comes up for noble truths you know, for nourishment but much less and friends are uh, asking oh my mentioned the Buddha so much these days in the talks. Well, having mentioned him quite a lot <laughs> over the years, having done a series of books, 
nearly finished the series, the Buddha of Love, the political Buddha, and uh, the explicit Buddha, the green, oh, the green, thank you, Jackie, the green Buddha, uh, etc. And <coughs> another one is, the, not, it's finished, but not, not yet printed, called The Buddha in the West. Uh, which is how the Dharma is developing in the uh, in the West. So you know, the Buddha's had. No. So, in other words, I've given him decades of free publicity, and uh, and his merit is over. <laughs> so that, that's that's the intention behind it. Right there. All right, <laughs> so, and I still love him. So, with the reflections uh, uh, there. It requires some uh, energy, and uh, with the Buddha, he speaks of two ways. Uh, this is with, with reflection. We are engaged in our meditation, sitting, walking, standing, and reclining. We're participating in uh, in the day, and then perhaps unexpectedly, spontaneously, something arises out of our out of our being, and there is a recognition that in what arises, this is worthy of reflection. So it wasn't planned in any way, but it stands out for us. With the spontaneous arising of uh, something important that requires some clarity, change or development there, in its arising, there is the potential and the possibility that it sparks a lot of thinking about, but it is not actually leading to any insight, clarity or change. And it's valuable and important here, obviously, and it's a practice, when it's always a practice, to know the difference between a reflection which is moving towards a clarity and an understanding and a change, and just to be thinking about which is circular and repetitive and actually isn't leading anywhere. If to get to really feel intuitively in the being, <coughs> pardon me, the difference between the two. If it's just circular thinking, and we pick it up, it's not leading anywhere, there's no authority uh, uh, with it, then we use the resources, which is called mindfulness practice. Bear attention to whatever is here and now. We use the meditations, <coughs> pardon me, the form, sit, walk, stand with the quiet uh, discipline, in order that we can be grounded, not to reject in any way the importance of reflection, but at some point to return back to that important issue for you, which is worthy of reflection, but knowing that one is able to come from a much calmer place inside. So we're calm, we're steady, the mindfulness and the meditations will contribute to that, we're experiencing more steadiness inside and say, okay. And then, this is the second aspect of this, we can then purposefully, deliberately and intentionally 
go back to that and then look at it. So one way is it arises spontaneously, unexpectedly, and we know some insight is needed here, some clarity is needed here with this situation. Perhaps on behalf of the other, or on behalf of ourselves, as mentioned. And we may find we go back to it later, because we just see there's too much stress around this, there's not enough calmness, and we'll not be able to make it a reflection, it will only be thinking. And equally, there can be, during the, the day here, that you know, perhaps before you arrived, all while here, that there is something which is perhaps not resolved, something that needs to be initiated, or to be overcome, or let go of, or started or whatever you don't have to wait around for it to emerge yeah. you, you engage in the mindfulness practice engage in the meditation practice in the silences uh, of the day and from that say right this really needs some can I give it the wise reflection that it deserves without getting lost in thinking 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 about it and if one does get lost in thinking, thinking, then, as mentioned, right, be clear about that, straight back to the breath, open the eyes, feel the presence of the day, meditate, get back in touch with the, the body, or whatever is required to return and find that calm and clarity, so then you are, have a sense inside, now I am prepared to deliberately, intentionally, purposefully go to whatever the issue may be. And with both, that's the spontaneous arising or with purposeful intent, in a way it's kind of left to you. Yeah. So some people are happy and it's, and it's absolutely fine just to trust in the meditation process, trust in the mindfulness practices, and if something arises joyful and delightful and experiential, something arises which is um, challenging and difficult and uh, unresolved is the quiet trust. If something emerges which requires more insight, it will emerge and allow it to come by itself. And absolutely fine there. But there is also the option, to repeat a little bit, towards the intentionality of going to something. And what do I need to be clear about here? What do I need to understand about this? What really needs to change? And to re what does it need to start or develop? Whatever it might be uh, uh, about. What will allow that to happen? And to be clear, if the deep voice inside is informing, and if it is, letting you know, telling you something, write it down, make sure you remember it, because it will still require the quite often, the quiet determination to application. Yeah. In all of this, one important area, obviously, in all of this, uh, is the silence, and uh, the noble silence. The power of uh, the noble silence, the agreement uh, that goes 
with it is clearly it reduces the chatter of the voices. It reduces the sheer number of words which are passing uh, through the uh, uh, air. And the absence of that world for many hours of the day gives each and every person some opportunity to be in the silence without the voices and the chatter uh, passing passing through. It is a quiet discipline. I appreciate, of course, that given the circumstances with um, uh, the weather and the fires and, and this, the regular checking morning and uh, evening with regard to uh, the safety measures, sometimes anxiety, uh, whatever it may come, and how very easily, of course, then it can start moving into chatter uh, elsewhere. But this then has some impact on other people as well, who are quietly, um, quite disciplined of really keeping uh, the noble silence. So I just want to give a a reminder uh, to everybody uh, 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 of of that. And it is in a rather tragic uh, situation and just yesterday I heard that with the smoke <coughs> T. Cozy was telling me that some of the, the amount of fires that have been taking place in New South Wales has consumed like one and a half million acres I mean, it, it, and that the smoke it, it itself has been can be smelt in New Zealand yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this, this, this is, uh, I, I just had an email today from a um, good friend uh, in, in Germany. As you know, you know, it's winter. He said, there's been no snow, no sleet, no rain for week after week after week in the winter. Unheard of. So we're living with this, dealing with this, appreciate the worries, the anxieties that may come. But a real contribution is the reflections and the insights and the understanding, not the chatter. <coughs> it's in the noble silence that human beings, we've got to dig deep. We have to, together, we have to find our authority. We have to see what responses that we can make. And, and that, that will come out of the depth of the human species. It will not come from the superficiality of it. And it's a great challenge and we, each one of us here, really have an important contribution and it's been a privilege as a visitor to Australia to listen to uh, your voices, the extraordinary communities of people working together day and night to uh, put the fires out to protect communities and homes and, and families, hearing stories of fires getting you know, like within 30 to 40 metres of people's homes and people just really doing everything together to, to really bring about uh, uh, some uh, resolution of this as well as the reflections as well on the larger political situation which is part of the problem. So all, all of this is what Dharma is connected with. It's an inner and outer uh, work in a whole variety of ways and we have the silences together, the meditations together, the, the reflections. And it's a precious thing with the, uh, the teachings uh, themselves there that, my goodness me, we have the tools. 
we have the tools we have the practices we have these extraordinary teachings which are so down to earth and practical we have the emphasis sangang saranangachami gachami going for refuge going for support from the community we have all of these resources then the commitment to wisdom and compassion the commitment to a real moderation of lifestyle commitment to love and friendship and methods and techniques as well so there's a, a strength in the body of the of, the, of all of this and all of this want to be able to digest you're nourished by and see its application in the daily life. Finally, finally, there is the mindfulness of breathing. It feels right and appropriate for you in many, many ways. Do keep trust, do keep steady with it. There is the relationship to the body, that second aspect. And having a clear relationship, understanding we are small expressions of it, of the nature. Really staying steady and clear uh, with that as a contribution to health and well-being and harmony of heart, mind and body and all, the, all that can manifest out of that harmony. Thirdly, uh, to re- really recognise and acknowledge the uh, importance of the experience of um, states of mind and particularly as well listening into the feeling there. Sometimes I wish, instead of calling ourselves human beings, which is slightly conceited, and homo sapiens, which is unbelievably conceited. (laughs) Homo ignoramus might be a bit closer (laughs) to the reality, but however, we won't go into all of that uh, there. But at least, or or the other one, not homo sapiens, um, I wrote in one of my books, no, we're not homo sapiens, we're homo shoppians. But anyway, so going, touching a little bit deeper into the being uh, there. And it's not the deepest. Feelings and emotions are important, beautifully important. They are deep, but they're not the deepest because they're so changeable. But the deep is important. And the feeling and, and connecting, so in our practice and exploration of this is the state of mind. In that state of mind, what is, that's a little bit deeper now, what is the feeling which is being revealed in the meditation in this state of mind? Is the feeling pleasant? May well be. Is the feeling unpleasant? May well be. Is the feeling hard to describe, so to speak, somewhere in between? It may well be. So there's a state of mind. Uh, mind means heart, mind, more, more appropriately. We're really clear about the state of mind. We're a little bit more interested, more deeply, uh, to what the actual feeling is. And it is not a teaching of maximising the pleasant over the unpleasant. Not, not in the teaching. The culture, the Homo Shopians culture, is cultures also is a bit ambitious. <laughs> the culture is maximizing pleasure, the pleasant, and getting rid of the unpleasant. But it's not not in these not not in these uh, 
uh, teachings. It's a forlorn and hopeless endeavour anyway. But more importantly, it's in the unpleasant that some of our most precious and important and significant actions take place. The fire, with all the horrendous aspects of it, and numerous other situations, that sometimes situations which are so challenging and so difficult and so unpleasant brings the best out of us <coughs> in a way that the pleasant may never do. And Dharma teachings, left hand and right hand, fully acknowledge the importance of the pleasant, happiness, joy, wonder, uh, mystery, love, gratitude, generosity, kindness, inner peace, really recognise and advocate that. But equally, equally saying, that which is decidedly unpleasant, not easy, it has its place and its merit in life, and one of the places of merit in life, it gets us to act. It gets us to respond. And some of the most remarkable women and men who have walked on this earth have looked at something that's really unpleasant and have recognised this has to change. And small groups of people, one or two people, have initiated something, not out of the pleasant, but out of the unpleasant. And it's important that we're very respectful to the importance of the unpleasant. Can be an extraordinary motivation factor for reflection, for meditating on, for action. So we're, we're, we're recognizing the place of uh, both here, and sometimes it's quite quiet, it's somewhere kind of in between. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people come to you and say, Oh, how are you feeling today? And you might say, Well, not especially pleasant. Not especially unpleasant. Somewhere in between. <clears throat> Why not? Why should things always have to be pleasant or unpleasant? Sometimes it's just quiet and no, not particularly one way or the other. Be careful, you don't get stuck in it though. If the mind gets neutralised for too long, we can get a bit dry. We can start to lose the feeling life. We get a bit too rational, a bit too heady, a bit too political. Because we're losing touch with the heart, losing touch with the deep feelings of life. So our recognition, and if it's the pleasant, and we identify with that, we want to keep repeating it. Pretty well every habit and addiction started off of having something or tasting something or smoking something or doing something which was enjoyable. Oh, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And then it's a habit, then it's an addiction. But it starts off of an enjoyment with the pleasant. And similarly with the unpleasant. There's the unpleasant, 
there. And then it's unpleasant again, and it's unpleasant again. And then in that can come resistance, fault-finding, blaming, attacking, abusing. So we, we need our mindfulness with regard to the pleasant, to love and enjoy, and not cling to. We need the quiet times, which is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, just to be with that, not have to feel any particular way, and acknowledge that, but without holding to that either. And the unpleasant as well, the un- which experience, and to respond to it. So we're not building up a picture and image which ends up in fear and blame and much more. Reflection, mindfulness, meditation. They're all uh, a valuable support for each and every one of us. Right, let's have some mindfulness, reflection, meditation time. (laughs) Words to practice. (laughs) 